Welcome to the Beers with Engineers podcast. It's time for a pint of fun and a shot of geek. My name is Bert Ushold and this is episode number seven. My guest today is Jeff Turk and the title is We Can't All Be Engineers. Jeff is a little different from my previous guests, but before getting to him, how about a little about me? It is my podcast after all. So my company is Dexterity Engineering and I do contract product development for medical devices and consumer products specializing in plastic part design. Please go to my website, dexteritying.com, to learn more. To learn more about Jeff Turk, listen to the rest of this podcast. The big secret about him is revealed right away, so I won't tell you just yet. I've known Jeff since 1996, and we had a fun conversation that could have gone on a lot longer. We mostly talk about a topic engineers, and probably most people, do not enjoy, job hunting and interviewing. Wait a minute, so what does that say about us if we have fun talking about something that people don't like? And I guess that's something for me and my therapist to talk about next. Anyways, please don't let that turn you off. We share some interesting stories and some good advice on getting through an interview and to a job offer. With that said, let's begin. Jeff, thank you for making time for this conversation. How are you doing today? Great, Bert. It's so good to see you and great to talk to you today. All right, so I have known Jeff for over 25 years. But instead of my normal introduction about how we know each other, uh, I'm going to make this episode legitimate as a Beers with Engineers episode, plural, as opposed to a Beers with Engineer singular podcast. Now, you may be wondering why I'm saying this. Well, Jeff probably has more engineers in his LinkedIn network than many or most engineers do, but he is not an engineer. (gasps) Shock. Uh, Jeff is a recruiter. And he helped me get a job back in 1996. So to get things on the up and up, I'm going to use the powers that I have vested in myself and grant Jeff Turk an honorary degree in engineering from the Beers with Engineers University. Congratulations, Jeff. Congratulations. Thank you. It's great to be here and great (laughs) to have that honorarium. So if you're lucky, maybe I'll take five minutes and slap together a diploma and send it to you. Okay. (laughs) All right, so so there it is. So the cat's out of the bag. Jeff is not an engineer, but uh, he, he may be somewhat of an engineer just through osmosis of talking with engineers so much. So the way we typically start this thing is we ask, how did you become an engineer? Why are you an engineer? So I'm going to ask, how did you become a recruiter? Why are you a recruiter? Well, and that's good. And I'm going to also seg into um, my engineering um, expertise. All right. So I graduated college at a time when it was really um, difficult to get jobs in human resources, which my degree was in business with the human resources specialization. My first job out of college was not living up to what the expectation should have been or was when I joined the organization. That was with a company called Hertz, which was not only in the rental car business, but also in construction equipment. And I'll age myself a little in that they were owned by a company, a corporation called RCA, which nobody hears about anymore. But RCA also owned NBC, um, National Broadcast Corporation. And that, at the particular time, was bleeding a lot of money from the company. NBC was not doing well. And um, so they put Hertz on the um, block to sell six weeks into my job, and just everything that should have materialized didn't. And so I was really frustrated 
At the same time, I had a friend from high school who was a year older than me, and he worked for a recruiting firm. And I ran into him um, oh, maybe 10 weeks on my job when I realized six weeks in, it was really not going to materialize the way it should have, oh, and said something to him. And he's like, you know what? Give it a year. We'll be able to help you then. And I was like, oh, gosh, I have to stick this out this long. But so, about, yes, go ahead, Bert. Good question. So was it the company situation that you knew was bad so quickly or the job position itself or a little of both? It was the company coupled with the person that I reported to who could have and should have been mentoring me was just frustrated every single day and I think really was feeling enormous pressure. And looking back when it came in frustrated every day and just really created a negative work environment. Yeah, I I could do the job that they had, but it also, I didn't see where it was going to lead anywhere. But I mean, he was miserable every single day. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize it at the time, but you could just feel the negative energy. Yeah, yeah, it's not good. It's not. So anyway, so... um, Nine months later, which I thought was close enough to a year, I reached back out to my um, buddy and said, could we start to work together now? And that's how naive I was. And he was like, no, you really need to give it a year. And I was like, okay. And then a month and a half later, he called me and said that his firm was expanding. And knowing um, my background, he thought I might be a good candidate to work for their recruiting firm. And so I appreciated that. I wasn't sure that's what I wanted, but I did interview and I was impressed with the work they were doing. I was impressed with their style. And I thought at the very least, it would give me experience to maybe in a backdoor way, work in human resources in a company. And um, the very first day I started, and it was really on the job training, I was told, oh, you're going to be working with mechanical engineers. And that's what you're going to specialize in. Um, Here's a person who has contacted us. We want you to find him a job. And to be very frank, and to all your engineer friends out there and listeners, I didn't know what a mechanical engineer was. (laughs) 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 So I had to educate myself really, really quickly. And, um, And I did. And um, I also listened a lot and I spoke to companies in the area that had engineering needs and heard what their needs were. And the very first person that they gave me, I was able to get him an interview within two days, which I was really proud of. And then almost immediately he told me, no, that wasn't what he was interested in. And then as we talked a little bit more, it appeared to me that he really wasn't interested at all, but just wanted to see maybe what was out in the marketplace. But I'd also talked to somebody else in the meantime who um, was looking for a job. And um, he, I was, I'm in Charlotte. It happened. He was coming to Charlotte and that's where he wanted to live. And so, you know, it was X number of companies. He had his background in mechanical engineering and specifically um, his area of expertise and interest was in fluid mechanics. Mm -hmm. 
And so um, I've researched all the companies that were in fluid mechanics and spoke to a director of engineering at one of those companies who was like, yes, we have a need. And I set him up and he interviewed like two days later, was offered the job the very next day and started two weeks later. And so that helped me get the ball rolling. Interesting. And it gave me the um, both the confidence, but also the... Um, I don't want to say luxury, but really um, it gave me a luxury in that I knew now what matched him up with another place and I could transfer somebody else's skills. It didn't necessarily have to be fluid mechanics, but I saw what the template was. Right, right. And so I just studied a lot of what mechanical engineers do and what subspecialties were, but also knew to probe with hiring companies. Now, what is the expertise you're looking for? Mm-hmm. And what, what would your flexibilities be? Okay. And, and it was, you know, it was a work in progress because sometimes I thought I understood it and then, mm. you know, would find out, no, that they weren't quite as flexible as they right. said, but you could tell where they were positively responding. Okay. So you've already answered one of my next questions, which I yes. don't know what that question was. So a little more into our background. So I actually first heard your name uh, back in 93 when uh, we had layoffs. And uh, the gentleman, uh, Roger Hildwine, who you know, you know, we knew layoffs were coming. And he said something to the effect of, if I get laid off, the first thing I'm going to do is call Jeff Turk. And so I made a, a mental note of that name. I don't think I called you then because... Uh, I, a, I ended up getting laid off, but uh, I chose to, instead of work, uh, took a, a year, which turned into two years off, to do some volunteer work in Kentucky, which uh, worked out very nicely. I helped some people get the GEDs, and I found myself a wife. So, <laughs> ironically, worked out really was, well for you. <laughs> right. Not a, not a nice Kentucky lady. She was a nice Long Island lady. Okay. And uh, we're married 26 years now. But... You know, at the, you know, towards the end of my time when I said, all right, I'm going to go back into the engineering world, uh, the name Jeff Turk uh, was still in my brain. And so I gave you a call. And uh, a few months later, I got a job uh, in New Jersey with uh, Beckton Dickinson. Yes. And what I remember telling people at the time, and I later came to doubt this for a variety of reasons, I'm not sure exactly why, but is that my understanding of recruiters, headhunters, whatever you want to call them at the time, was that a company would come to them and say, find me a person for this job. And so kind of like the recruiter was a client of the company. And what I believed, and it sort of sounds like it's true, correct me if I'm wrong, was that in some respects... I was a client of yours. You you were working for the employee, potential employee. And and, and part of what made me think that that was just a misunderstanding on my part was, well, it doesn't make sense because I didn't pay you anything. Well, (laughs) And so I I guess maybe clarify that, elaborate uh, on that a little bit if you would for me. So I'll talk about for me, and I can't really speak for every every recruiter. And um, what what you said is correct to a point. You know, the company does pay a fee to me to find people that they can't necessarily find on their own. And 
But at the same time, if I don't treat you as a candidate, like a client, I'm not setting you up for success, which doesn't set me up for success, nor does it set the company who pays the fee up for success either. Right, right. So um, I think it's a delicate balance, but I treat both parties as clients. Okay. So then... Just one's a paying client and one isn't. Well, well, right. And, and I guess... But one's a pay-off client, you know? <laughs> right. So you, you talked about that first uh, um, client, you know, an engineer yes. who you first tried well, to find candidate. a job for. Yes, yes. And you said you called companies to try and find a job for him or her, whichever. Now, these were companies that... So you were working for some firm at the time. Well, yes, yes. Okay, so, uh, you know... A1 Recruiting, a placement agency, we'll call okay. that the name. So did they have a name of, all right, Jeff, here's the 14 companies that we have relationships with. You call them or you went no, to them? No, no. In fact, although they did have a modest relationship, it wasn't really what I would call a existing uh, relationship. I helped open that door a little bit further. Okay. And so that is something else that um, as a recruiter, you know, that I do, not every company that I have a previous relationship with is a company that I have placed a candidate at. I've sometimes placed candidates with new clients and okay. that by representing the engineer, that opened up the door. So then you, so let's say I said, hey, Jeff, I need a job. Uh, so you've got your list of, you know, X companies, but you do some research and say, hey, here's a company that I don't have a relationship with that I think... Bert would be a great fit for. So you call them up and say, I've got a candidate, you know, I'm a recruiter. Right. And I'm representing a candidate with maybe say XXX and X background. I guess I'm just curious about not the exact details, but the financial aspect of it. So then, I mean, unless they agree to give you something, you're not going to give them my name. And uh, I'm just curious how that works. Right. Well then, you know, move on. And I would probably tell you, you know, well, I couldn't get you in this, but if you want to explore something. Okay, okay. There you could. All right, All right. so then uh, at the very least, I'd owe you dinner. <laughs> right. <laughs> or something like that. Okay, no, I... I'm still waiting. <laughs> <laughs> what is... Not from you, but there's plenty of others. Okay, okay. So what is... Do you recall, in my case with Beckton Dickinson, was that... Uh, I did have an existing... Did have a relationship with Lauren. Okay, okay. Not that it's terribly important, just... Uh, one, of the, one of the things I... Not... Very often I preface questions with, I'm just curious, and that appears to so be So it is funny because family. it is, let's, how long ago was it? That's um, almost... Pushing 30 20, years. Yeah, almost. seven years. So now correct me because I'm going to throw a name out, and I, I'm thinking that's who um, may have, you may have reported to or worked with, Luciano Giambattista. Uh, just Lucio. I don't think it's Luciano. Lucio, 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 yeah. Lucio, Lucio. Batista. Okay, yeah. it's been a long, long time, but yes, I had um, well, it, a relationship. Uh, I was uh, looking at uh, your LinkedIn, and we have three common contacts. Uh, Roger Hildwine, who I mentioned. Yes. Uh, Lucio, who you just mentioned, and a third, who was my boss a few years ago, Philip Walker. Yes. Do you remember Philip? I do remember Philip. Okay, so, so that was... That was a very interesting interview that I had with him because I was had been working at a company called Radius, left yes. to do some other things, and was looking to go back to Radius. 
and, you know, still knew lots of people and I left on good terms. And coincidentally, at the same time, they were hiring a new director of engineering. So they said to themselves, well, we can't really hire this guy to start when we've got our new director of engineering starting in two days. We really should have him interview him. So his first day on the job, he interviews me. And I'm not sure exactly the situation, but I'm, I'm guessing they said, yeah, he worked here before, but we wanted to make sure you talk to him. And, you know, what's he going to say? Boy, that guy was terrible. He's awful. Right. Why'd you hire him in the first place 10 years ago? <laughs> so, it just is a strange interview. And I've kept in touch with Philip over the years. So I have a conversation or I have a call, but that was just a strange interview. And, um, that, that is, and there's, yeah. you know, the circumstances of that um, are unique. Yeah. You know, you probably wouldn't ever replicate that kind of... Yeah, um, not likely. Not likely. Yeah. But, so, uh, so, hey, I, want your, I do want your listeners to know something. And, yes. Um, because I have known you, and we've stayed in contact throughout the years. And though I'm surprised we only have three <laughs> LinkedIn contacts I, in I common. I was a little surprised. It should be more. Yeah. Um, your reputation is exceptional. And throughout the entire time I've known you, you've had a great reputation from people Thank you. who have worked with you and people who have gotten to know you. Yep. Thank you very much. The, the other very interesting thing about our relationship is we have never met face-to-face. -face. No, this I, is the first time I've seen you live. And, well, right. And, I didn't, and I we're Facebook seen friends. We're LinkedIn connections. We uh, talk regularly. Yeah. I had no idea what you looked like till we became Facebook friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very odd. So it's, you know, 26, 27 years we've known each other without ever meeting. And uh, I'm going to throw you under the bus here a little bit is your uh, in-laws are in Worcester, right? Yes. Well, we're, well, yes. Um, we're in Worcester. Worcester. Okay. So away, you've yes. been up, you're 10 miles away from me, 15 yes. miles away, and never once said, hey, Bert, let's go have a beer together. I'm, I'm gonna, my father-in-law's <sighs> still there, so I'm going to okay. try to correct that. But, All right. Um, All right. But Next yes. time you're up, I want a phone we've call. We've always we've reminisced about that, and I've. Well, um, I know last year we were close to the meeting. I think you were uh, passing through the Charlotte airport. I had to, I had, I had a time to come to the airport. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, you know, <laughs> there's this part of me that doesn't want to actually meet you because then I can keep up my longest person I've known without ever meeting a record. <laughs> That's just a small part of me, which the... Well, but let's do try to correct that. Yep, 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 we, yep. Let me make it like you're, you know, that you've gone 27, 8 years with exactly. that. Exactly. So, all right. I get contacts from, uh, well, I have on my LinkedIn page that I'm looking for work. Uh, my situation is I'm self-employed, contracting, but if the right job comes out along, I will bite on it not too many good jobs come along. It's really frustrating because I'll get jobs for software and electrical engineers. And it's like, I'm a mechanical engineer. Yeah. I know Excel, not much. <laughs> My software programming is, you know, almost non-existent. And, you know, I, I think it's, don't take this the wrong way. Sometimes I, sometimes lawyers are kind of like recruiters, you know, you hate lawyers until you need one. And I'm not saying you hate recruiters, but some recruiters are just annoying and you don't want to be bothered with them until no. you need one. So if you have a good one, right. such as yourself, Thank uh, you. they're good to have uh, in your Rolodex. Or, and you know what, Bert, I've heard that a lot. I have to say that 
but I'm going to get off the subject and then get me back on it. Um, I do hear that a lot. And which specifically about, uh, you're another recruiter, okay. one more recruiter calls, right. you know, right, right. And, and, um, and the bad experiences that individuals have had with recruiters. Well, one, right. you know, just with my track record, I think that, I mean, maybe somebody has had a bad experience with me and I didn't recognize it, right. but I try to have everything be a positive experience with the people I work with. And I think that does set me apart uh, from many, many recruiters. Mm -hmm. Early on and my very first week of recruiting, and I was hearing that a lot, not from candidates as much as companies. You know, I said I was calling one. Right. And they're like, oh, you recruiters won't let up. You keep calling, you know. and Right, right. Or we had such a bad experience with the recruiter, we don't want to um, engage again. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know how to respond to that. And except the, I was talking to one of my coworkers who said to me, he goes, well, let me ask you a question. Have you ever had, do you like apple pie? And I was like, yes. He's like, have you ever had a bad slice of apple pie? I was like, sure. He's like, well, would that stop you from eating apple pie again? And I was like, no. He goes, well, it's the same thing with the recruiter. That's a good analogy. Yeah, just because one isn't good doesn't mean another one won't be good. Right, right. And so that, that's really stayed with me. I mean, this mm -hmm. is a long, long time ago. And by the time you and I connected, not that I was that season, but I was right. already a veteran and had built up. Right, you know, right. I was right. glad to hear from Roger, you know, yep. a positive reputation yep. nationally. Yep. All right. So is it primarily with engineers that you work with? Or do you have you well, I have expanded. I have, you know, that is going to be um, a big portion of the work I do. But I have expanded outside and do handle other areas of employment that would include uh, accounting and finance, mm -hmm. and um, not a, a, in addition to engineering, and then um, marketing, legal, like uh, corporate attorneys, right. and um, operational management, okay. primarily. But I, you know. Had like a architectural firm that was a very good client of mine. Okay, you know, and the principles of recruiting that I told you know to the principles of recruiting are very very hard to master. Hmm. You know what makes a good candidate for for a client. You know what what makes a good person. Yeah, yeah. And learning how to master that once I did, it can transfer. Okay. To discipline, to discipline, I can read up overnight, you know, like, right, right. you know, what, what makes a good architect, what makes a good attorney, what makes a good, you know, marketing, um, digital marketing manager, right, for example. Right. Yeah. And, you know, the recruiters that bring good opportunities to me, I like. Um, if somebody brings one that is pushing the envelope a little bit, I'm fine with that because, you know, they only know what I tell them. And so they are. Right. So here's, here's an 80% fit. Let's give this a shot. You know, the ones that bring you the 10% the fits, it's like, there's an engineer in the title. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but I'm not a software engineer and I don't want right. to go to California. So <laughs> yeah, that, uh, that but, is mystifying to me that you're getting that kind of call. But, uh, I, maybe not that bad, but not, I mean, there's some that just aren't even close, but here's, a, I, I probably told you the story, but I will share it again. So people on the podcast can hear it. 
Uh, earlier this summer, you know, recruiter called me. I, just, I don't know where I first met her, but she had an opportunity at a company in Toronto. Um, they were happy with it being remote, and you know, I'll go there once or twice here or there. And it was, I think it was a medical device, and you know, I talked to them for a little while, and she described it, and you know, after I had the interview, which I thought went okay, it wasn't great, wasn't terrible. You know, I think I said to her, I I'm not sure I could design a job fit much better than that one. And she's, oh, I knew it was great for I knew it was great, I knew it was a great fit. And, you know, that's like Thursday or something like that. Monday, she gives me a call and says, well, Bert, I'm sorry, but they're not interested in you. Which I was disappointed. And then further in the conversation, uh, yeah, she said it wasn't a good fit. And further in the conversation, she goes, yeah, and this is my first time working with them, and they said they don't want to work with me anymore. <laughs> and so it's like, oh, so I was such a Well, bad I'll say that them. I, I put that on them, not you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I do, but still, there's this part of it that says, well, I was such a bad fit that they hired or fired the recruiter. I said, well, that was a, that was a blow to my ego. I was... No, I think that I have to say, you know, of course, I don't know all the um, details of that, but that that was not you, well, I have to say. And I, I, you know, after my emotions got in control, I definitely agree because, you know, she said, um, well, they're looking for somebody that just, they want one person to do this job and it was a rush job, had to be done in four months. And it's like, yeah, that'd have been a disaster because... They want me to commit to doing something in four months without anybody helping me, without even knowing details of the job. Yeah. And so that was one thing. And just, you know, the product they're working on, some sort of uh, environmental uh, plastic sort of thing. And I thought they had, you know, the business seemed great. I was all for it. But the way what they wanted to use me for just seemed to not make any sense. Um, so... Kind of, I I have to say, and I'm, yeah. I'm sorry if that it all shook your confidence at that particular <laughs> uh, moment. Just a tiny, but just... that, that's them. That's yeah. them. That's yeah. not. That's not on you. <laughs> yeah, but right. I want to. I want to. Uh, you know, we'll we'll get to it. But I want to um, talk a little bit about how to position yourself for when you interview. Okay. And, no, I think um, it's a good. Let, let's segue into that. Um, some advice for engineering. Anybody, I guess. Uh, it's it's for anybody, or, yeah. but you know. Um, but ask me questions, and we'll fill in the blanks a little bit as it relates to to engineers. You know, I have to assume that that was a call that was a um, either a Zoom call or a Teams call if it was a remote position. Uh, yes, it was. But it was. whether it is or you know whether it's in person, there are things you can do very early on and not can do, should do very early on or very immediately that I think sets the stage. And that is um, the magic four hello if it's in person, the magic three hello if it's, you know, online. or And that is immediately put them to ease with a smile. Yeah. And it is so great to meet you. And if it's in person, a firm handshake. And if it is, whether in person or, you know, on a Zoom call of sorts, make sure you're maintaining eye contact. Right. Not because that's the polite thing to do, which it is, but it 
connects with the other person. You're breaking down an invisible wall. Right. And it's very, very important because there is a wall. And if that wall can get broken down, you're connecting and, um, and you're also um, doing something that somebody else may not be doing. Right. And so in any job you're interviewing for, I always say, pretend that three people at least are interviewing that same day. You know, you're ah. B, so let A not be, you know, the one that does that and B won't be the one that does, or C won't be the one that does it, but you as B, that's what you're doing. Okay. And when you're meeting a person, when I say the firm handshake, it's not an obligatory handshake, but a handshake that really provides some warmth, but again, that connection. Yep. And as engineers, you know, something I've learned over time, and this is where you're unique because you're very outgoing and you're a real go-getter. And, um, but sometimes engineers tend to be a little more quiet, mm-hmm. a little less um, personable. doesn't mean that they're not good people because they are. But you've got to work hard to go against type. Yep. Yep. So if the expectation is that, okay, it's going to be somebody that isn't going to be very communicative. The more communicative you are, the more um, embracing you are as a candidate. Right, right. Because it's a whole, in addition to the technical skill sets, it's a whole other skill set that just sets sets you apart. Right, yeah. Never have a second chance to make a first impression. Right. Yeah, and there's there's, uh, one engineer I've worked with, uh, I haven't seen him in a while, and I'm going to name names, but his handshake is so bad, it's memorable. Yeah. And it's like, oh. Well, that you remember it like that. I know, that's I know. How, that, is, that says it all. And that, yeah, it's like I almost don't, anyway, I almost don't want to meet him because i got to shake his hand. It's just, and that's, but what I'm saying, that's yeah. just setting the stage right, for right, you know, the right. rest of the interview. But right, right. right, I mean, if the first handshake, is the, that's the very first impression. Right. A person like that is now climbing up a hill that they may not be able to climb. All right. So I'll let you give some more feedback or advice on interviews. I've got one thing I'll throw in if you don't cover it. Go ahead. No, start. Go now. I'll start. All right. So and, uh, this may have come from you. I'm not sure. But at you know, when you're at, at the face-to-face interview level, you've gotten through the yep. HR, you've gotten through the hiring manager. You know, you're meeting with three or four people, which is very typical in engineering interviews. It, it's sort of like it's your job to lose. The technical capabilities are largely assumed. They're just verifying. But a huge part of the interview is just personal fit. Can I work with this guy eight hours a day or however often it's going to be? So last time, so when I interviewed for my previous job, uh, and I shared this with the woman afterwards, so during the interview, I was meeting with, she was like the plant manager or some fairly high-level person. And, you know, something, all right, so she's not really checking my technical things, you know, just sort of a personality fit and yada, yada, yada. And so after 10, 15 minutes, we're like talking about her kids and my kids and stuff like that. And I'm thinking, all right, I think we're connecting. I think this is good. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, so do I try to direct this back to somewhat more job-related, or I just let it go off on the tangent that it's going off? And I said, oh, we'll keep the tangent going. Okay. And what was the um, outcome? Oh, I got the job. Okay, of course. Yeah, yeah I got the job, and, uh, and then I can just 
I confessed to her that story on my last day, you know, at the uh, local pub where we were having a few beers. So that was uh, just very the, okay. That was very, uh, okay. I, I probably could have told her beforehand. I mean, she very nice lady. Uh, she even called me up uh, a few weeks ago because someone I had worked with was retiring and invited me to uh, the retirement for that person, which I thought was uh, very nice. You know, I'll say the company, Avery Dennison uh, in Fitchburg, yes. great group of people to work with. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, why did I leave as such a great group of people? Well, mm -hmm. I wasn't doing engineering anymore. I was doing mostly project management. So uh -huh. uh, if they ever came back and had more engineering to do, I would definitely consider that. So there you go. I knew it was, a, I, well, that part I didn't know, but I knew when you were at Avery Dennison what a positive experience it was for you. Okay. And, and that's great because sometimes things just, fall into place and um, both from the interview process as well as on the job, which is always right. great. Right. Unfortunately, life evolves and sometimes, you know, you can't foresee what, what may happen down the road. Well, like in your situation, but right. Right. when it all falls into place, it's all great. But something, you know, that you were saying that was good is that, and I don't know with the plant manager when you met her, if that was more just to get her seal of approval, you know, or if it was more um, to have her input. But obviously, it was a good fit because yeah. you were yeah. connecting. Yeah, I think it was and, a little of both. I think the and, yeah, I think the hiring manager probably had final say, but you know, everyone had uh, you know an opinion to offer. But here's something I would say that I was going to say later on, but like in a case like that, which I do always recommend that when you're talking with somebody, you make sure no matter who it is. And even if it's just to get a seal of approval that they understand from you that you are looking to be a positive contributor mm -hmm. and your sense is that you would get along great with the hiring manager and the other people you've met and that you could really bring value mm -hmm. uh, to the organization and the job, or right. the job and the organization. Right. And if you're not using it in those exact words, which you don't have to, you just really want to make sure that no matter who you're talking to, that you're always leaving a message like that. Mm -hmm. Because at some point, and maybe this was more relaxed, but not all of them are as relaxed as that. And maybe it wasn't as relaxed as maybe you think, you know, and, <laughs> right. but it's at some point they're going to be talking like, what are your thoughts? What's your input? And right. you can be spoon feeding at least the message you'd like for them to take. Right. Right. So if somebody is giving input, you can spoon feed them positive reasons. Yep. That oh, they like oh. you and not just that it was, <clears throat> Well, we just had great chemistry because not everybody's chemistry is going to be great, right. you know. Right. But if you come across as somebody who wants to be a positive contributor and that your sense is that you would be a good fit, you know, for the department, that you would work well with the people you met, with the product that you're working with and will bring value to the company, that, that should land you an opportunity every single time. And if it doesn't, it's just that somebody was so much more on the spot, but you can't ever go wrong. I'm reminded of another interview, which was actually uh, before uh, we met and started looking for my, uh, my job. I actually ended up at Beckton Dickinson. 
So I was in Kentucky. Uh, my first year as volunteering, I worked uh, what they called adult education, school on wheels, going to people's houses, helping them get GED and whatever else, which was very good. Decided to stay on for a second year, and there was another position I was interested in. Um, and this is volunteers. So I'm getting food, housing, and you know, 50 bucks a week or something like that. And it which, was, by the way, I admire that you did that. Oh, thank you. And so this other position was they called it uh, environmental education. At there was a, a camp on a lake, and you know, they had summer camp there, but they're trying to use it for stuff during the year as well. They wanted to take programs, you know, science and environmental related into the schools. And also at the same time, they had gotten a grant to do a leadership program. So I was interviewing for this position to do some of this leadership program work and, you know, some of the environmental education work. And so I was, you know, late twenties and had been an engineer for several years and just spent a year and change doing this teaching stuff. And I'm interviewing with uh, the woman, my potential boss, and was very professional and arguably too professional. And she ended up deciding to hire me, <laughs> if you hire volunteers. But she later shared that she had some hesitation because she said, I'm not sure he's going to fit because he's a little, I forget the exact word, but a little square, a little stiff or something like that. And so she told me, <laughs> The specific instance where her concerns completely melted away, it was before summer camp, it was what do you call it, counselor week. So the counselors were training and setting up camp and doing all sorts of stuff. And so she was on the uh, little balcony looking down, seeing what people were doing, just checking up on folks and saw us doing some sort of uh, icebreaker activity. And at some point I was nominated to be a, making this little skit. And I was a sliding door. And so I kind of stood there, legs apart, arms up, sort of trying to be as much of a door as possible. And I think I was a swinging door. I can't remember. But when someone would come up to me, I'd kind of have to swing out of the way and then swing back and forth. And I may have made sounds. I don't know. But she looked down and saw me doing that and said, oh, he'll be all right. <laughs> He's not as stiff as I thought he was. <laughs> so I... Possibly I had that subconsciously in my mind or, you know, all those things kind of rolled into one saying, okay, next time I'm in a job interview, be a little more friendly, a little more personable. Um, loosen up a little. Loosen up a little bit, yeah. <laughs> and so, anyways. But that cool. is, but I think the other thing that you want to um, do when you interview, um, and of course, everybody comes from a different point of, in their career. So somebody like you, this wouldn't be as pertinent as to somebody who is earlier in their career. And that is obviously you want to be respectful in the interview, but you don't want to come across like you're the subordinate mm. and you want to come across with confidence, with ease and self-assuredness. And it can sometimes be as simple as if you're in an interview um, office and there's a you know, picture in somebody's desk with, you know, what appears to be a family. It's like, oh, what a great picture. Is that your family? You know, just something that right. Right. breaks the ice a little bit or if somebody has a trophy or something, you know, and just to to really get conversation going that you're not putting it all on the other side mm -hmm. to do that. But then you don't want to get so off subject. 
but you also want to know what your accomplishments are and what you really take pride in and want to have that twinkle in your eye when you talk about that. So I would say prepare before you go in for an interview to really talk about what pride you take in your work and give examples Mm -hmm. of things that you've accomplished rather than start to have to think about it while, you know, on the spot. Right. Right. And you want to exude, you know, as I said, you want to exude confidence. You want to exude, um, positive energy and, um, you want to exude a certain amount of, um, assuredness. Right. And just not being cocky, but just assured. Yeah. There's confidence and there's cockiness and one is good and one is less good. But yeah, the knowing what those three things are or whatever they are, A is very important. B, I'll just add, you know, being able to express it. You know, uh, yes, people will often recommend, and I'm sure some do, practice that interview, practice saying that story. And I know just my, I don't know what psychologists would say about this, but I'll share it anyways. I know I, I love telling stories, and I tell them in my head many, many, many times before, after, during, just because I'm practicing, I'm rehearsing it in my head. For better or for worse, I don't know, it's just what I do. And maybe that helps with uh, job interviews. You know, there's... Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, because I would say almost have it down pat so that you're not stumbling over words. And much like you said, yes, absolutely rehearse it. In fact, I, I haven't said this in a long time. And but I'm sure I told you this back in 1990, whatever. Six, but, um, six, yeah. 196 is you know talk to yourself in the mirror, ask yep. yourself questions, answer it, and talk. You know, look in the mirror so you're first of all accustomed to maintaining that eye contact that I talked about, but two that you have your story or stories and answers that you can easily get off your tongue when you're asked the question. Right. And um, because the first time you probably will be stumbling over words, mm-hmm. but if you, and you don't want to come across like you're, you know, uh, mechanical, but you definitely want to have it somewhat rehearsed so that it is very fluid. Right. Right. And isn't like, uh, the, the, <laughs> um, let me, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, unlike this podcast, you can't edit that. Uh, the, the, uh, <laughs> can we start um, this? Something, can I do yeah. that question over again, please? please? Yeah. <laughs> We're not recording the Zoom call, are we? Can we? <laughs> but I can tell you, um, and I had a, actually with mechanical engineer, I have a cl- have a cl- had a client, and they asked two questions that I thought were really interesting. And, but also really kind of, I think, did put the cancer on the spot. And that is, what are the three things um, you're most proud of? Right. And what are the three things you're least proud of? And the head of engineering that asked that question was convinced that the third answer of the three things was the one that really was the most meaningful. Mm. So it was both for what the person was least proud of and what they were most proud of. And if that question isn't going to be asked, it is going to be asked, what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses? Or, you know, what are your significant accomplishments? 
and and know what they are and where did you fumble? So so I do want to say something. Um, Go ahead. Where it says about weaknesses or what are you least proud of or where do you fumble? That requires a lot of thought. And I got this from a professor in college who said that they know that's a ridiculous question and it deserves a ridiculous answer. So I don't know that I would go as far as say ridiculous answer, but I would say turn it around into a positive and make it something that is not so really significant. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm really hard on myself or I'm a perfectionist, but I've recognized that and I've learned, you know, to really um, pace myself so that I, I will get everything done well and it will be done perfectly. And, or I try to ease, but I need to know to ease up a little bit. So I remember we, back when uh, you were helping me get a job 26 years ago, that you said something very similar to that. You know, the, what are your weaknesses is a bogus job and deserves a bogus answer. And, yes, yes. And I disagreed with you to some point. I felt that say, knowing your weaknesses is, you know, knowing yourself. You know, everyone has strengths, everyone has weaknesses. And then when we were, before we got onto the podcast live, you had mentioned the, uh, what are you most proud of? What are you least proud of? And you seem to think that that's a fair question. How do you see, what are you least proud of? And what are your weaknesses? How do you see them as similar or different questions? And is one better than the other? Just, you know, just say, um, I don't want to say one's better than the other. You know, I I can't control what somebody's going to ask, nor can you. Uh, You just have to prepare for it. Mm -hmm. And either way, it's a very similar type of question that you don't want to make it something glaring. Because there are people who do, you know, when you're not just a little bit guarded, you can say something that um, really gives the company interviewer a reason for pause Mm -hmm. or or a reason to not embrace you as a candidate. Um, As an example, you know, somebody I sent on an interview said, you know, they have a terrible temper. That's, that's a bad one. (laughs) It is, it is. (laughs) um, Or they're not organized. Yep. Yeah. No, I mean, I forget the specific example. It may even been in the process with you where I said something a little offhand and I don't think it was a terrible thing to say. Obviously I will really admit it wasn't the best thing to say, but I thought it was a minor thing and you know, not knowing where the interviewer is coming from and they're kind of listening, you know, as I said earlier, they're kind of, you sort of got the job already. It's yours to lose. So they're looking for disqualifying things. And that was potentially a disqualifying thing, which jumped out at them and, you know, whatever happened. Right. Well, I would call it, I would call it, you're right. You know, like you said, it's yours to lose. Well, I'm I'm not sure, but I would call it, you don't want to step in a landmine. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, And that's what that is. That is a landmine. So you do want to think about, you know, what, what could potentially be something, you know, that's not. I don't want to even say negative, but that's not necessarily positive about you, but to turn it into a positive that you've recognized that you are working on it. 
So what I have done is, you know, as an engineer with 30-some years' experience, I've interviewed people for positions numerous times. Yes. And I think a question I've asked probably more than once is, what is a weakness that you had in the past that you've improved upon and how did you make it better? What do you think That's of that a great question? question? That's a great question. Yeah, because I think it, that's a great question. It, that it's a great question. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, and that's what everybody should ask. But as the person who was interviewing, if anybody is out there listening, just be prepared that you're going to be asked a question like that. Right. And even if it's not the follow up that you ask, like, what you do to make it better? You, if you're not asked that, at least volunteer what you did to make it better. So you're not right. leaving it. These are my negatives. And right, right. Yeah. <laughs> here's, what I'm, here's what I'm doing to improve it. Right. Yes. All right. So we are, the clock is flying by here. And uh, I just well, I realized a few minutes ago, I forgot. The first question is uh, on this Beers with Engineers podcast, because you are now an honorary engineer. Are you drinking a beer? And if not, what beer would you like to be drinking? Well, I am not drinking right now, but I am. And I have to say, I um, have converted to um, the local microbreweries oh, nice. locally. And um, while I have no favorite, I can go to any one of them and have a great beer. And, and that's, what I, that's what I'm drinking. And, right. um, and, and, and I, I confessed <laughs> one friend of mine was, who, I don't drink beer. And so it's odd having a Beers with Engineers podcast <laughs> I didn't mention it in my first episode, and one friend of mine was very happy I mentioned it on the second one. But I will state that I am somewhat jealous of beer drinkers because, you know, this is a golden age of beer drinking. There's microbreweries freaking everywhere. Yes. And I just, there's this part of me just wish I liked beer because, you know, the idea yeah. of trying different beers is very appealing to me. Well, I'm not what I would so. call a big beer drinker. Sure. But, but I really love these microbreweries and the beers mm -hmm. there. And, you know, that's where I'm like, we'll meet either friends or even yep. so lagers, IPA stouts. Yes. Yes. I, yes. All IPA. the above. Yeah. Well, all the above, but IPA in particular. IPA, okay. Um, all, right. all right. Let's see. All right. So, so that was my first question that I asked second last. So my last question is my grab bag question. So give me a second to get that all screen right. up here. All right. So, the way this works is I've got a list of questions, and you will give me a number from 1 to 10, and then I'll ask you that question. Okay. It could be silly. Seven has always been my number. Seven. All right. We'll find out. <laughs> this segues nicely into what we were just talking about. If alcohol had no intoxicating effects, would you drink more, less, or about the same? Assuming no other tasted the same, yada, yada, yada. Okay, well, that, you know, I don't know that anybody really cares for me what my answer is, but I would say I would do the same because the same, um, the same because aside from the lasting effects, it still has a lot of calories. And oh, um, fair enough, I'd yeah. much rather have dessert. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I, I've been asking that question of people for a number of years, yeah. and the two most memorable answers uh, were one guy said, "Oh, yeah. absolutely more," because. You know, he loves the beers. He's microbrewing. He's like this small, thin guy weighs you know, 140 pounds. Uh -huh. because I can only drink two and I'm buzzed already. So I would be drinking way more. And then another guy, it surprised me because he seemed to very much like the, the microbrews and all that stuff himself. And he said, 
I wouldn't drink any. What's the point of drinking it? It's like, well, I guess. Well, I thought you actually liked it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so that was that. Was that. All right, so just wrapping things can up. Can I add one last thing? Can, okay, I was, can I add one last thing for the interview? I was going to um, ask if you had one last thing, so now, one hey, last Jeff, thing. you can ask one yeah. last thing. <laughs> <laughs> when you were interviewing, and I've mentioned this before about talking about being the positive contributor and the value you can bring, but the very last thing you should do, anybody should do, is to positively reinforce your interest. Yep. Your interest, not just in the job, but in the fact that you can bring value and that you would work well there. And because um, all of that, I think, is important, but nobody's going to know that you feel that way unless you tell them. And that may not be, but it very well could be the tipping point that makes somebody want to offer you the job over somebody else. Right. I mean, because often there will be multiple candidates. And, right. You know, there, often, I always say there are going to be. Yes. And, you know, I remember particularly a candidate we interviewed a few years ago and we were all on the fence a little bit. And, you know, we said, all right, let's, we decided to make an offer to him. And I think for the most part, we were very happy that we made that offer. But, you know, there could have been one thing that he did that just would have, you know, we, we fell one side of the fence, we could have fallen the other side of the fence. So, yeah, you know, try not to give him that one thing to put you on the wrong side of the fence. Exactly. So. Or, well, or if it's down to two people, you know, and you're trying to make a decision, it could be like, you know, well, Bert has really been, you know, more enthusiastic about right. this. Yeah. And, you know, or, or has given us good feelings. And so that it just can, it's just a very, very good practice. Okay. Just, and most people don't think about that. They don't think about it at all. They're already thinking about, well, do I want this job? Do I want, you know, you, you have time to process later. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I've been guilty of that, but yeah, make yeah. the decision of if you want the job later. In you have time to process that, but at least leave a positive impact. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, all right. Well, Jeff, thank you very That's much. That's my parting time. words of wisdom, Bert. Awesome, hey, it was awesome. great. And the uh, and I remembered. Uh, let's give uh, a shout out to your company name and email address and stuff like that. Thank you. So I'm Jeff Turk, Omega Search Incorporated, and uh, my email address is Omega Search Inc. at gmail dot com. That's O M E G A S E A R C H I N C at gmail dot com. And I'm also on LinkedIn, and uh, anybody listening is welcome to reach out and connect with me on LinkedIn. And I would um, certainly welcome that. And uh, if you're in the Charlotte area, you may run into them at a uh, a local microbrewery. Look at me for a microbrewery, and we'll have a beer with engineers uh, tonight. (laughs) You you don't have to live in Charlotte to give them a call. So, excellent. Jeff, thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Bert. This was great. All right. Bye-bye. Take care, and happy holidays. Likewise. That wraps up today's episode of the Beers with Engineers podcast. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed it. Please remember to like, subscribe, give a rating, and most importantly, tell your friends whether they are an engineer or not. I'm happy to have them listen. Any comments and suggestions are welcome and encouraged. 
If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast or know somebody that you think might be a good guest on the podcast, please let us know that too. Until next time, this is Bert saying goodbye.